Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pensive Politics with Mr. Watson. I am your host, Mr. Watson, and today I have a special guest, someone who, in my opinion, wrote a very brilliant essay uh, about individuality and identity, uh, Mr. Anthony D. Morrow. I hope I'm not butchering that. He is a student at NYU. He writes about philosophy and things of that sort, and I am very happy to have him here. How are you doing, Anthony? Good. Thanks for having me on, Christian. Absolutely no problem. So, when I first read your article, I was actually... I was almost thunderstruck because very few folks analyze the ideas of identity and individuality, A, in concert, and B, uh, with the assistance of some of the more erudite political thinkers of the uh, of, of the American political tradition uh, or the general political tradition like John Stuart Mill. And so before I actually get into the substance of your article, can you go into – the thinking behind it, and what prompted you to write such a uh, very forward piece like that? Sure. Yeah. I well, I have uh, read quite a bit of um, Anthony Appiah, who's a uh, contemporary political thinker and theorist, uh, philosopher. He's written a lot about cosmopolitan uh, countries, the various intersections of of identity, the way that. Uh, his own personal identity um, operates within the world, and um, I started also. You know, I've I've read quite a bit of uh, studying philosophy at NYU, uh, various political thinkers and philosophy, mm-hmm. and 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 notions of identity that come up um, either implicitly in texts or explicitly, like we see in John Stuart Mill. He's probably mm-hmm. one of the more famous uh, philosophers uh, who get who get noted for his conception of individuality. Uh, but then I started thinking about how all this uh, reading isn't particularly lining up with um, what I see uh, uh, common political parlance using identity for. So uh, there was a big disconnect between reading, um, you know, notions of identity and how it might function in, in and uh, how identity is generally used for political purposes today. Uh, so I, I think the idea was just to bring in connection uh, you know, what it is to have a functioning identity and, of course, how that impacts um, our understanding of individuality. Because at the end of the day, identity can be a very personal thing and I think mm-hmm. almost always will impact the way you operate on an individual level and as an individual. And I think that those two are uh, very important things to have a clear grasp of if we're going to be using these terms as flippantly as we tend to. Hmm. And and so, the effect of identity—it's sort of its power, and the the sort of ubiquitousness of it, as you mentioned, it being able to affect us on a personal level, and uh, that the sort of inevitability of that of that fact. Do you think that is born from a natural necessity? And well, your article would, would seem to say not, no, but uh, but do you, do you think it's born from a, a natural necessity um, to sort of? want to be able to categorize and label ourselves? Or is that a reflection of, of the current dominant mode of society, societal thinking at the moment? What do you think? Well, signifiers, uh, placing us in groups is nothing new. Um, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. uh, th- the notion of social animal, you know, is, is often repeated. And anyone who's ever read even a little bit of Aristotle would probably cite that Indeed. quote. Um, so in that sense, no, the notion of, of, of having identities around, uh, you know, implicitly or tacitly is nothing new. But of course, the way it's been used, you know, in the last probably century or so, or 50 years maybe, um, is somewhat unique to the period. And, and, and that definitely places more emphasis mm-hmm. on 
um, what I take to be a, a misconception of identity that is uh, an identity uh, is it makes reference to what a person essentially is. And I think that, mm-hmm. and I think that mm-hmm. that is, um, of course, just a phenomenological or category mistake. Uh, it's just simply right. uh, a misunderstanding of, of what or how an identity functions within uh, one's own understanding of it. So um, indeed, in, in that way, it's unique. But again, uh, this is something indeed. that's been around. Well, you mentioned Aristotle, which is quite interesting, um, because Aristotle is very famous for signifying uh, the idea of man and beast. Well, he, well, he, he signified the idea in a, in a more prominent way. Of course, the idea existed before him, but he signified it in a more prominent way, and he uh, provided some some essential qualities, like, for example, man is rational, and beasts typically don't have rationality, which that separates man from beast. So would you say that Aristotle is sort of signifying uh, metric uh, that distinguishes two distinct objects ha- have the same function as the identity does in a very social relationship? Because a- Aristotle, of course, was talking in a more broader metaphysical sense, which and that can always be reduced to a social sense. But do you think that that the principle of signifying does have a social utility, so to speak, in the same way that signifying has a meta- has a metaphysical utility? Well. Um, it- it sounds like there's a couple questions baked into that. Um, one being, um, where do signifiers come out in social mm-hmm. dynamics? Um, and the other seems to be about what these signifiers are used for, uh, as far as, I don't know, personal gain or what have you. Um, so t- to tackle the first question, I think if we're going to take seriously the way that social dynamics play out, uh, then we have to take seriously identity. And a lot of people, uh, you know, especially in, on the political right, they tend to throw the term identity politics up. And, <laughs> of course. And, and there, is, there is a serious thing, I think, that there that, it, that is called identity politics. I think that exists, and I think it can be detrimental. Um, but, I, again, I think that is becoming a catch-all for just ignoring identity and the notion of identity outright Precisely. as something that is that is always uh, malicious or purely anti-meritocratic uh, and things of that nature, which, which of course is just not the case. Um, so do they come up in social... I think even, even by virtue of, of associating yourself as a conservative, identity is at play. Um, so mm-hmm. I think social dynamics inevitably bring out identity. It's what we do with them and if we can properly understand them that makes identity important. Um, now... As far as its utility, I, I, I think that identity certainly can be used as a means to an end. Do I think it should be? Uh, that's that's a difficult question. Probably not. That's my intuition. Granted, I haven't thought about that very much. But um, the fact that it is used as a means does not necessitate its being something that we should avoid. Um, and I think it often is used as a means, especially at po- during political ends. Uh, you know, a lot of times you hear the as a x and whatever that that x be filled in with whether that's a man as a man as a woman as a latino as a black uh, male as a homosexual as a heterosexual whatever that x is is usually supposed to support or be used as evidence for an argument or give credence to a to a political point a lot of times and and that's yes um there are reasons to think that there's something suspicious about that in dubious oh i agree with you um but 
it is something that I think obviously has proven to be able to be used as something um, as a tool to to advance ideology or political motives or what have you. So so can it be used as as, as a as a tool? Of course. Um, should it be? That should be thought out very carefully. Um, I agree. And so that's sort of where where I see those two those two questions landing on the mm-hmm. spectrum. All right, that, that that's a very interesting point. Uh, all right, so let's get to your actual article because I because I, I want to tease those points out a little bit more, but I want to get to your article because I think that there's some interesting right. things in there to to address. Um, so your basic thesis is that and identity is not a good thing for the exercise of one's individuality. That's basically your thesis, correct? That's, that's yes, my reading. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. propitious. I mean, and I, and I, I do want to make clear, I'm not making any moral claims here. There's nothing that I'm right. saying that this is good or bad. It just seems to me if you're right. going to have a functional identity, and I'm not saying it's even avoidable, it does seem in some sense to restrict individuality right. if you understand it the way. Uh, it's not efficient for the exercise of individuality, essentially. Correct, correct. Okay, yes, absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, so, and that, so what I see here, I see a matter of a priori here in your article. Because you mention that, for example, that identity, when it is exercised unknowingly, as some folks would say, that does not necessarily – well, when folks exercise qualities of a certain identity unknowingly, that does not necessarily mean that they are of that identity. And identity is basically a social thing. Um, but the question becomes, when one is birthed from the womb – the, the, it's typically taught, thought that their being as an individual is juxtaposed or is on the other side of something else or someone else, right? So whereas identity, in your view, is a social standard, and I think that's correct, individuality seems to also have a social standing or at least be predicated upon a social standing or social dynamics. So my question is, number one, do you agree with that? Number two, if you do agree with that, then would you not say that this really boils down to a matter of what comes first as opposed to um, what one does first? So, yeah. Sure. Um, Well, it's tough to say with regard to priority, uh, which comes first. I think the framing of it should actually be something um, more concurrent. That is, while we are trying to, you know, figure out our life plan or life projects, as it were, uh, we are simultaneously faced with the notions of identity that come into play and affect the way we establish mm-hmm. and operate within those life plans. So it's not mm-hmm. something I, w- I wouldn't describe it as, uh, you know, I am uh, grasping at identity before I am individuality. Um, I would I would understand it as two um, branches that have a genealogical track that begin mm-hmm. at, at very similar moments in time, and and it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to to uh, untangle because indeed. Uh, how I might want to approach something uh, might, in fact, be influenced by the identities I uh, take on. And so that is where I think there's a very clear um, way to frame the interaction between the two. Right. And in, in your article, you mentioned that one assumes identity after the fact. It comes after the fact, which insinuates. Well, is, is that correct? Sure. Like to, so yeah. I, I guess I guess if, if you are going to... Uh, take it to be the case that you discover a life plan that you want to be a writer 
and you become right. You know, you have a religious. Right. Uh, you know, no one is born a, with a pen. Yes, yes, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, neither yeah. are you born a Catholic. And so, um, right. well, some might disagree, depending on when you're <laughs> but but yeah. But, yeah. but I think it's 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 very clear. And I I I, I just I wouldn't want to. It, 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 I might have uh, laid improper emphasis on on one coming first and the other. It's possible that there is a way to determine that you know your individual project erupted before you took on a certain identity or, mm-hmm. or any identity at all. Um, but I, I, I don't know that that's the point uh, that I would get hung up on. Really, the interesting question for me, and I think for a lot of people should be, how do they interact? Because if, of course, you see a lot of people discussing you know, identity groups and communities as having agendas, then what does it mean to be an individual within that community? Is it such that you have no mental freedom at all? Do you, must you follow a dogma? Or is there room and is a dogma nothing more than, you know, opposition's hyperbole? So how, I think the interesting question is, how do you take on identities but still serve as an individuality? Because it seems like there's some serious tension between the two. And of course, mm. um, that I think is where it's interesting. And like I said, I came to the conclusion that, and I hold that, it is less efficient to be an individual <laughs> with an identity. Of course, I didn't say whether you could even avoid that fact. But, uh, of course, the timing of what, which comes first, uh, the chicken or the egg, or, is not as interesting to me as how do I, once I have both a life project and a given set of identities, or perhaps one in an ideal world, um, for, for argument's sake, uh, how, do, how do I operate with those two things coming into conflict? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, I, I, I think the question... Uh, respectfully of of a priori, it is not more so to de- to determine uh, supremacy of some sort, or determine like which one should get first priority. It's more so to determine, okay, in the sequence of an uh, in a sequence of an order, in a sequence of a, a sort of uh, a line of events. So um, in this in this case, the evolution of my of myself of the self. Uh, what is that which is there without with, without a social emphasis? What is that that is sort of integral and inherent to me? Because I think that once you can answer that question, I think that you can actually begin to holistically evaluate how that which is integral to me, if I find out that, in, that is integral, um, i.e. individuality, or that which is not integral to me, if I find out it's a purely social individuality, possibly, uh, interacts with another social uh, sort of uh, concept. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, and if you just want to talk about, you know, the phenomenology of how you came to erupt as an individual or operate your individuality or exercise your individuality, that yeah, that, I think it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Yeah, um, of course. But it also allows us to see, to I think prioritize or even um, perhaps analyze in a more uh, holistic light how those things, how they should interact in social setting, in social setting, right? Because if individuality, um, uh, riddle me this, if individuality itself in a social setting, as, as you were wanting to address initially, is nothing more than another social sort of label or, 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 or a state of being, then the question really becomes, does one truly have the, have the umph or the onus to prioritize individuality over identity, because the thesis is that indiv- identity does not really exercise help 
and one's exercise of individuality. But without really understanding, evaluating the nature holistically of individuality, yeah. the, the question becomes, why does it matter? Well, of course. And I look, yeah, I think your thesis is correct. I'm just curious what you think about that question. Well, I think first you have to have a working definition of what identities are, what is a functioning identity, and that's what I try to Absolutely. And, and what a, and what a, uh, we have to have a conception of individuality. I actually take the latter to be more difficult because it's, it's a much broader yes. category that you need to cover. There's a lot more groundwork you need to cover. Do I think I covered it all in this essay? Of course not. Um, but um, if we're going to start with, with the identities, just just to begin there and then compare that, well, I, I take identities to be a very active uh, um, mm. functional identity is a very active notion, um, and so it's not that you aren't exercising an identity in as much as you are your individuality, and it's because I take, of course, I, I think I describe it as a tripartite system. So you need to have, you know, intention, incorporation, and reference. So you know, it's it's not just that you take on identity; you have to actually intend to have the identity such that mm-hmm. reference to the term instantiates a property that you intend to have. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, just having that property doesn't do it for you. You have to then incorporate what those expectations, uh, what expectations are entailed by that property. And and then you need to have a reference group because of course, if the group doesn't recognize you as having that identity, it doesn't affirm the meaningfulness of that identity with which you try to take. And so Working that out along with a unique life plan can 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 be really difficult because what you're saying mm-hmm. here on the one hand is is that well I'm dependent in some tr- even very trivial sense on my meaningfulness to come from a reference group, um, but I'm also if I'm going to be exercising individu- individuality need to 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 maintain some sense of of. I mean, I take it to be uniqueness or difference in the way you approach life. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is very vague, and we can get more specific. And some people might disagree with my conception of individuality, which might give them more room for identities to function less as something that restricts versus um, uh, enhances. But uh, the way I see it is, is it's really, um, really a difficult situation that unfortunately does seem to restrict uh, individuality one or the other. Because, of course, if you are... Uh, so different, right? So if I want to be part of, uh, you know, if I'm if I want to incorporate myself within an in, Ebo in tribe, uh, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot uh, simply, you know, let's assume in a, in a perfect world, I can actually instantiate properties of an Ebo, and I can incorporate the expectations that come along with instantiation of that identity. There's, I'm not going to be accepted into that tribe. Very, it's going to be very difficult for me to get the the actual tribe to to affirm my existence within that group. And of course, mm-hmm. if I am only focused on incorporating myself and being and having reference back to the group, I'm mm-hmm. living for the sake of 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 a community and not. Right. And, and and that is precisely the difference, and that's precisely the opposite, excuse me, of what I would be doing if I was living a, a purely holistically individual life, which would, in my in one of the qualities, necessitate difference or uniqueness to distinguish myself. You don't want distinguishment uh, when you are attempting to be taken seriously within a group. In fact, you probably want the opposite. Um, you do want the opposite. And and so that's where I see one of the fundamental tensions between this. And of course, if you want to be part of a group, 
you're going to have to say, well, I can't be so different. I can't, I can't actually be so different that the group could, would never take me in at all. Um, and there are, there are more practical, practical examples of this, uh, that I think sexuality is a very clear example. Um, I can run around saying that I'm part of the LGBTQ, uh, community, but only ever sleep with women as a male. And, and, and that would, um, my behavior would, would of course probably dissuade people within that community from taking me seriously as a member of that community. Um, and so I, I don't mm, know if that sort of really. is what you were saying, um, but there are, of course, a lot of a lot of you have to get into the weeds, if you will, to really flesh out some of these ideas. And I don't know if I'm uh, running off <laughs> on tangents here, but if I'm trying, no, to no, no, things, yeah, no, no, I understand. No, you're basically saying you, there are there are certain standards within certain groups that you have to live up to if you're going to cohere with them, and those standards can indeed. No, those standards can't. They do indeed, um, by by their very nature, snuff out individuality. I mean, that's that 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 seems that seems quite evident, self evident uh, yeah. to me. So yeah, uh, so uh, th- th- this leads me to a question: Is it possible, for in your in your opinion, for there to be variances within the kinds of behavior? That is that is acceptable within a certain identity. Like for example, so you mentioned Catholicism in your in your article, uh, but broader Christianity, indeed, uh, there are all sorts of denominations. Of Christianity, as I'm sure you are aware, and a lot of them do a lot of different things. And there are even intra denominations, like with, uh, within like within denominations within denominations that that have different sects, different activities. And so, do you would you say that a few questions actually? Number one, would you say that that this sort of like uh, sub the subcategories of identities? can provide room, theoretically, for individuality to grow if the individual could possibly find find a way to exercise the essence of his being or her being, the essence of, of their self uh, against the broad standards of the identity particularly. Like, for example, let's say I am a, let's say I am a, uh, a Christian and my, uh, I know, let's, let's say that I am, uh, I am, I am gay or whatever. And a lot of denominations, Christianity, some don't, don't look kindly on that. Some do like Episcopalians. Let's say, okay, I'll say I want to go to Episcopalians. Okay. So I, I can go there. A lot of them don't mind that. And let's say I want to push the needle further. So I form a subcategory of Episcopalianism that is more amendable to my kind of theology that I have devised myself. And I've perhaps uh, taken syncretically from other traditions around the world. I am exercising my individuality in a sense by constantly asserting my will gently against the, the group standards and molding them to my beliefs. But again, there's a problem because of course, if others are to maintain the constructs that I've I've created, they must agree that agree to them. And if their individuality uh, goes goes against those constructs, they would probably not cohere. But you see within that same that metric, though, that we we are still see individuality has a room to breathe a little bit. You, do you agree with that? You see what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, of course, the broader the category, uh, the the more wiggle room you have, so so speak. Um, yeah. Uh, but of course, if you were to branch off into your own, um, you know, uh, w- w- less homophobic, um, Episcopal, uh, Catholic Christian subgroup, uh, and start your own church, <laughs> those yeah. who were in the church that you shunned would not take you seriously as a Catholic. In fact, you see that a bit with uh, the Jewish community. Um, a lot of the more orthodox uh, Jewish groups don't take as seriously or seriously at all 
a lot of the more um, reformed Judaism. And so things like that um, are possible where you break off and where you draw the line (laughs) um, as to what is, you know, a legitimate community and what is, of course, the composition of one's own unique bewildered consciousness Mm -hmm. is 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 of course a bit arbitrary but at least at the beginning if you were to 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 break off uh is it sorry is it arbitrary to to what to determine where a community becomes legitimate i think well no oh no no i think legitimacy is already assumed i mean is it arbitrary to is is it arbitrary to um to exercise one's will to mold the community to their expectations Okay. Yeah. And, so, and that's allowing your individuality to, to grow. No, no, sorry. I must've misheard you. No, that's, okay. that's not, that's not um, going to be arbitrary. Of course, that's going to be okay. very, very determined on, on what the group does and in, in your success and ability to, to, to mold the group. Ah. But what you need to think about is uh, whether you are maintaining an identity for the sake of an identity. For example, um, of course, you know, to say that you're a Catholic does not mean that you necessarily hold a particular view about, you know, every particular historical event such that it's shared by all Catholics and that without right. it, you'd no longer be taken seriously as a Catholic. No, there's room for a unique thought, but but there's yes. not room for complete divergence from the culture. Because even if you were to say right. amend one, um, you know, uh, you know, amend that one facet and say, yes, gay marriage is now accepted in this, in this, um, church um you couldn't move on without at least uh accepting all the previous traditions and probably most of the language around that new subgroup you're trying to create because because it holds its origins in one that that is different that that is um mm-hmm. that that already has a previous tradition. and so amendments aren't complete divergences from culture there's room there's room but mm-hmm. but but there's not room uh, for you to, you know, be an Episcopalian and say, I don't believe in God. Of course, oh, of course you would not, not be taken seriously as an Episcopalian. So, again, um, there are limits to these things. Uh, that would be, as you would call it in your, in your essay, an essential quality, correct? Yeah. There's essential qualities, these kind of things. And so, in that same vein, there's an essential quality to being to the self as well, correct? There's essential quality to individuality. But that seems to be a little mysterious uh, at the moment from, from in the context of this conversation. So I, I the way I, I understand individuality, it, I claim that you need the establishment of a life plan in combination with three qualities, uh, volitionality, rationally mm-hmm. calculated, rationality. and yeah. difference. And so what I and mean, this by, is the million, this is the million view. This correct. is definitely taken from the million of you yeah. slightly modified, but, but definitely holds its, um, holds its own from the absolutely John Stuart Mill. Um, so again, if you don't have one of those three, then, then you, you probably are. So what I mean is, so of course, identity, we've been talking about these groups and the biggest point that it seems to come into conflict is, is the notion of difference, right? Yes. So, so it's, so let's take your example where you want to jump into uh, a subsection of, of a particular church that uh, is more accommodating to your particular identity. So you'll have a volitionality. You'll, you'll be rationally calculating in the sense that you, you are not doing this because your parents told you to. Um, it's c- totally possible that you could do this uh, because you thought it through and your parents. It just so happens that it's best to listen to your parents. It's not that you can never listen to anybody. Um, if I, yeah, yeah. So if I'm on this, on this particular point in, uh, in general, 
do, do, do you think that the extent of one's of, of external influence on one's thought is, is indeed great, as as you mentioned earlier in the conversation? Yeah. So, uh, how much is this sort of volitionality uh, emerging from the self, and, uh, as opposed to that which emerges from ex- from external externalities of some sort? Sure. Um, so. I think the way that you need to handle external influence is something, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's sort of a basic rule of thumb. If you are merely, you know, waking up every day and asking, uh, you know, what would my father do? And in fact, you're asking him, how should I do this? He's arranged everything for you from your career to your, to your marriage. Um, you're probably not exercising any, um, rationally calculating decisions and what and it's actually very possible that you want to listen to your father in every decision you make so you could have volition you could have one of these individual what i call these qualities you could have volitionality okay you could establish a life plan i want to live exactly like my father and i and i am deciding i want to so i'm volitionally and but but what that takes away is the latter two that is you don't have any rationally calculating faculty at least being employed, mm-hmm. and you don't have any difference, at least not from your father. But even if we're going to say it's different enough because it's only you two living this exact type of plan, and you want to let that one in an ideal world squeeze by, you you still are missing the fact that you're making decisions. Now, there's an alternative version where it so happens that after rationally calculating and employing your own faculties, that you determine it is best for you to follow the path of your father, that you do want to become a doctor, even though, you know, because he's become, you're not doing it because he's become a doctor, but you're doing Mm. it because you've come to the conclusion that you too want to become a doctor and it's best for you. So what I'm hearing, yeah. So what I'm hearing here is like the, the sort of spiritual substance that, that, that distinct, that partitions identity from individuality is primarily overall, generally, universally, Will, willful, willful servility versus independence of consciousness. Would you say that those are the two main things? And of course, you have the other the attributes and the qualities of individuality, the qualities of identity that you, that you laid out, but broader in a very broad sense. Are those two things what partitions, in your opinion, the two concepts we've been talking about today? So, could you say those two things? I didn't. I didn't catch the last one. Yes. Um, uh, independence of consciousness, like independence of, independence of thought, and willful and willful servility, and willful servility would obviously be in line with identity, and co- consciousness would obviously be in line with individuality. If it seems like a little elementary or a little broad, it's only because I'm trying to see if if there's a possible way to categorize these things so they can have uh, you know a, a sure. essential uh, distinguishing features. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's tough to say that those two are the things that distinguish one from the other because. An identity in some... Do they undergird? Do they, do, they, do they undergird, though? Do they undergird one or the other, in a sense? Sure. Well, I would definitely say that the independence of consciousness is something that is foundational to any notion of individuality. So Indeed. You're 100% right on that. Um, with regard to willful servility on ter- in terms of identity, um, I would caution the use of servility. Uh, because on the one hand... It seems like you're serving <laughs> a group to conform, but I, I um, but but I think that it's it's much more benign. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, when one takes on an identity, um, it's not always something that's completely thought out until after the fact, 
And so it, it might be uh, less willful at first than you might think. And moreover, you're not serving anyone insofar as you're not also helping yourself. Because the idea is if you're part of a community, uh, you generally um, you know, and choose to actively identify as part of that community. You want to be part of that community. Um, right. So, or, or, uh, so when you say servility, I, I, I guess I would need more detail on what you mean by that. But but it sounds like certainly on the uh, the case of individuality, there's there's something very important about independence of consciousness, and and mm-hmm. um, I think you're you're right on the money about that. Awesome. Uh, one last question: Can one not serve concepts? Uh, it depends. It depends what you mean. Could you? Oh, for example, let me give you an example. Let's say I am a I, I am a an adherent of the community. I'm a communitarian. I want to, and that's my identity, right? I, I want to make sure the community is is, for, is is furthered in any way possible, and make sure everything about the community, the roads, the children, uh, what, what have you, in this very uh, and theoretical. A generic thought world that I've just created. I want to make sure that the community is all right and served, and it's in this higher good is being and is being uh, received. Even if folks in the community themselves are not asking for this, and even if folks in the community themselves have not materially shown me in a manifest way that my efforts are being received kindly or are being received with any care whatsoever, and they might just be neutral to it to my condition, there is still a higher idea of the community that I am constantly trying to perfect in this example in my mind, and I am therefore servile to that idea. Now, that's what I mean by willful servility. Servility is oftentimes used in a very material sense. Oh, you're being servile to this person, to this company, to this agency. But I think that behind all that material categorization of servility, there is a there is an invisible sort of conceptual substance behind it almost. Like for example, the Nazi soldiers, right? They served a Third Reich. That was the material agency. But they also served the idea of a uh, of, of an internal of an Aryan Germany of a, uh, 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 of the sort of of the sort of perfect world in which their kind of people were spread around. Um, even uh, amongst folks that who are revolutionaries, they fight for uh, things in the material realm. But overall, they have a concept that they're trying to reach, a higher concept that they're trying to materialize in reality. So is it not possible in this context, in the concept of identity, to be servile to a concept, even if the people who are supposed to embody that concept in reality are neutral or indifferent or whatever towards your towards your uh, your sort of sure. uh, 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 sort of servitude. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can place you can replace God with community. You can worship the the Aryan race. You can Precisely. exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think that's totally um, possible. But one thing you should, I, I think, it's worthwhile to think about is that what you I mean, and it, it corresponds. What you're saying corresponds very nicely to to a point that I tried to make about. Um, the notion of intentionality, what, what you can, what you use willful, what I say as intentional, what, what you do intentionally depends on what concepts you have available to you. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I drew on the example from Elizabeth Anscombe, the philosopher. Indeed. Um, and, and she says, you know, uh, I have a wide range of concepts for signing my name in a certain way to count specifically as signing a contract. And, Indeed. um, and and so it, it it does seem to follow that what you do so you couldn't you couldn't serve the third Reich if you didn't have the concept of of um, immortal Germany exactly you. exactly yeah. exactly uh-huh. and and likewise you probably couldn't serve the community if you didn't have um, you know some uh, 
uh, four Samantha. years, so, four years affection for it. in the back yeah. of your head. Um, it's very yeah, true. Yeah. So I think that that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I think that okay. that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Indeed. Anthony, it's been incredibly fun. Thank you so much. Uh, your article is awesome. I will link it in the description of this episode. I hope all you guys go out and read it. Uh, but until then, until next time, I hope all you guys have a nice day and stay safe. Appreciate